You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy. Hello and welcome to Around the Lens, episode 252. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. Joining me this week are Zach Roberts and Mark Doyle. Guys, how you doing? How are you, David? I'm doing great. Uh, as you might notice, uh, we're not, you know, the guys aren't here with me in the studio. Zach isn't <laughs> on the big screen behind me. Uh, that's because I couldn't get anybody in the studio. Darn it. I tried. I really did try for you all. But uh, <laughs> I know it's, it's a work in progress. But, you know, I had a decision to make. Do I not do a show because I can't get anyone in person? Or do I do a show because it's been two weeks and... I want to talk about visual information and photography and photojournalism and filmmaking and all that fun stuff. Uh, I decided to do something to, you know, hey, let's do it old school, huh? Anyway, so hopefully we'll have some folks in after Thanksgiving working on some stuff. Haven't given up yet, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see how it goes, you know. Gotta get Zach in here now that he's in Virginia. <laughs> Gotta get him up here to Maryland. I'm on the other side of the um like everything. Um so um because I'm in Hampton Roads and uh or I'm, I'm in Norfolk and uh and so it actually may still be like four and a half hours to your place because of the way you need to go and, yeah. and everything like that. But still, at least it's it's I guess it's still closer. It's closer than you were, what, six months ago, a year ago? <laughs> it's closer than upstate New York, I think, but not it's by much. It's closer than South Korea. That's what I'm saying. Indeed. It's much closer than a year ago. <laughs> you don't have much to take a, a 13 to 14 hour flight <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then quarantine for two weeks to see me. You can just <laughs> true, true. make the effort to come up here. Or I can make the effort to come down there. It's not Virginia. Isn't too, Norfolk isn't too far away. Maybe I'll come down to see you. It's a nice town. I got lots uh -oh. of space. <laughs> great I, I can see opportunities to do the show over there is there a table is there a table we could do the show at i got i got Two a chairs? folding table i got a folding table, table right now and my other chair is uh a camping chair um so <laughs> nice here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna come down there and we're gonna do around the lens cribs and i'm gonna be like the videographer and come to your door and you're gonna be like yo what's up welcome to my crib a atl and then take me around I, uh, I don't think I'll be doing that phrasing. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. ATL I'll cribs? still say, hello, welcome to my crib. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I won't say it. Yo, welcome. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Yo, 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 what's up? It's Zach D in the house. No. No. no? Okay. No. All right. No, not that. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Uh, internet. All right. Well, uh, you know, despite the fact that I don't have anybody here, the show's format is still the same with regard to the new style we're doing, which is more casual, more conversational, and also more showcasey. So again, we're going to look at some stuff that Mark has produced. We're going to look at some stuff that Zach has produced. And, you know, again, if you're listening to this as an audio podcast, great. Glad to have you. But don't hesitate to go on to youtube.com slash around the lens and go watch the actual video we've got uh, our episode from last week with uh, matt callahan up right now and you can you can watch his bright shiny face as he discusses his work with me and we talk on the about his work and show it on the big screen as well as zach's awesome work from his uh trump a trumpian event um so definitely some great okay. stuff there 
But uh, let's get into what I would like to talk about this week. And I'm going to throw it over right over to Zach. Zach, you brought up a, a very interesting topic about street photography. And so why don't you go ahead and introduce it and then we'll chit chat about it, if that's okay with you. Yeah, there's a, a great piece over at, um, I'm trying to remember where I found it first. Um, uh, uh, it's bulletin.com. Uh, uh, Dina um, Litovsky, uh, Dina um, Litovsky um, has a piece called uh, The Sticky Issue of Consent in Street Photography, um, How a Lovely Family uh, became an internet controversy. Um, there's yeah. kind of, there's an image, uh, if you scroll down a little bit that, um, at least I saw it all over the place, kind of a viral photo and, right. um, more than the piece itself, uh, because it, it, there's a really good discussion around it, but basically it really, I have become, uh, even as a photojournalist, I've become more turned off, uh, from street photography than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, then even like, I was vaguely uncomfortable when I did it back in the day. Like, right. I, I like taking photos of streets and things like that, but not like people like my, my, like one thing, my, my art, uh, my art photo teacher back when I was at, a, at Syracuse university would always said, we're like, where are there people? Why are there no people in your photos? And I'm like, I don't really like them, but, um, <laughs> like, I don't like, um, and, uh, you know, as a, like, um, as an introvert, um, and, uh, photojournalism has always been a, a way for me to like actually talk to people and, and do things. But the thing I don't necessarily always like about street photography is, again, is kind of the voyeur, voyeur like kind of feel of it. And yeah. like this is a gorgeous photo. Like, yeah, if it was an art photo, it it's you know it's it has a Renaissance feel. It has like kind of everything perfect about. Like if this was posed, this is a this is a great photo as well. You, you like can never writing... pose. You can never pose it this well. Yeah, not with yeah. those two kids. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I too, can't yeah, even pose my own kids. Yeah, <laughs> but like she's got like the little kids got the finger thing going out. Like oh it's yeah, very, it's great. Like Michelangelo or something like that. <laughs> um, and uh, um, but that said, you're taking a photo of a moment of a very even though like New York City like there's no private moments in New York city. Like no. there is no place. Like there's, there's the kind of a, a, a ongoing joke um, with New York city residents where it's just like, where's your favorite place to go cry. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, because it's like, there is no private movie. Everybody has roommates, everybody has whatever. Like, and so like everybody kind of has a place where you're like, okay, I can go and be alone for a brief moment. And it's just like, give it five minutes and there'll be somebody walking by. There'll be somebody trying to do so, you know try to Ask start a conversation with everything whatever it is you know whatever it is like <laughs> trying to hand you pamphlets trying to sell you a you know a greenpeace um membership something. or something like that <laughs> right. always something and it's just uh, like i'm super happy to be out of the city for that reason <laughs> but um yeah. just because yeah um but it it's one of these you know moments and so often i think there's a i mean mind you there's some some that don't some that do um, but like so often it's women that are that are also within the gaze of of uh, the street photographer's eye um, the fact you know I mean the fact that you know photos inherent like street photography is kind of inherently done without any sort of consent it's they're they're only really interesting if they're kind of on the level of an embarrassing Warrior. moment or just kind of a yeah yeah um, but often, but often they're like, I mean, very clearly this, this woman here is, has had a day 
<laughs> like she's got two kids that you know one's barefoot i mean like i mean there's just so many like and also thanks to internet culture as being vile as it is I, I would bet, I mean, I, I personally haven't seen it because I, I saw this photo being discussed amongst like other photographers on, on, uh, on Twitter. But I mean, like one of the, one of the other problems too, is that like, I'll bet you, you can take five, take five minutes to do a Google reverse image search on this. And somebody's commenting about the fact that the kid doesn't have shoes on in the subway and the fact that this is at this and that or whatever. And yeah. And so it's just there, it brings up a whole kind of realm of like, what do you want to put people through when you're taking your photography? And I have the, like, personally, I have the kind of almost comfortability of like the people I take photos of for the most part are often Nazis and white supremacists and white nationalists. And they deserve it. And like, I'm like the outing and the kind of, and, but, but still at that same time, I don't try to make them look bad. Like, I don't take the right. photo of them looking weird. I don't, I don't purposely try to shoot up or, you know, give them the three chins or whatever that you can kind of do if you're, you know, any good photographer can, it, it's, it's almost easier to make a, a, a person look bad as a photographer than it is them to make look, look good. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, um, and so like, it's just kind of that, that kind of discussion that I think that, um, especially when it involves children, that I think we need to, um, have more of a conversation of like years ago i'm trying to remember how long ago i interviewed for around the lens i interviewed um uh uh, his twitter account is uh, at doug uh, duck rabbit blog um and uh they're continually having this discussion about like the fact that like so many famous magnum photographers continually will use children especially children within like that are being used that are basically sex slaves um, and like the, those are often the award-winning images or there's this large environmental uh, it won a bunch of awards in Europe uh, that were um, in these environmental activism photos basically that had these um, children children people uh, children of color who were laying in the middle of like places that were affected by climate change and it was very clearly set up but it still won a photojournalism award and right. so there's this like on kind of ongoing discussion within part at least parts of the photojournalism world and you know that you know maybe using children in a lot of way in in these photos for you know your either street photography or your making a statement photography isn't really a great thing um and that there's a lot of expo- exploitation you know unknowing on one side for the most part but like on the side of like people's as photographers using kids to basically win awards or just you know get instagram attention or whatever and it's kind of it still all feels icky yeah i'd like to comment on that if i could um no i I definitely want to get your thoughts on this um mark as well but i just want to clarify what your issue is zach Mm -hmm. so is your issue with one street photography two Mm -hmm. street photography of people in embarrassing situations three street photography of children or is it all three like where where Um, is your major sort of issue with not only the photo but the the sort of concept i mean it's 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 more of like because one one of the i mean one of the big problems is that sometimes there's a a incredible photo it doesn't have to you you can make incredible photos incredible street photography without like showing a person's face showing whatever you know just doing certain things it's it's more about the 
I know this what this this article like specifically kind of tries to walk around the idea like let's not have this conversation of ethics but a conversation of you know being you know <laughs> respectful um and uh and so it's it's more around kind of just the idea of the exploitative nature of street photography and how often the most famous ones at least you know whether whether it's a fault of the photographer or not you know like you could have just gotten this as a great photo and sent it to a friend and been like oh is this like isn't this just a great photo and then that friend shares it somewhere and then it goes viral like there's so many there's so many of these type types of images that just don't go viral that go viral not through the fault of the photographer like by trying to promote it or whatever but still even taking the image like as opposed to just seeing it and I don't know, not living in the moment, but you know. okay. So it sounds um, yeah. like so sounds like it's an issue, a fundamental issue with the the genre itself. Then okay, well let me throw it over to you, Mark. How what are your thoughts? Be, how it can be? I'm not saying it's not saying yeah, it's a genre, I mean, but how it can go? Okay, I mean, you know about how people uh, can interpret the the genre. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's it's interesting because like I you know I've done as David knows I've done lots of different kind of photography over my career, and I did have a short tenure with a website called New York Natives. And I was hired to do some street photography to capture images um, with my point and shoot, which is what I've been taking around with me and um, trying to capture, you know, some, some, some cool New York moments. And, uh, and that photo that you just, you just showed, you know, it's funny because I, I, I have a lot of photos myself of people on the subway, which is what that shot, is in dick is you know shows and uh, one of the shots that i had taken uh there were two shots there were two particular shots that they ended up using and they were basically publishing one image and uh it was really just a little caption it wasn't a story about the image itself it was a caption and it was part of this this thing that they wanted me to do Mm -hmm. and uh so i had taken one image of uh, a, a woman i wish i had i would have sent it to david i I didn't realize that 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 image was going to pop up there uh, of a woman, uh, a woman sitting up on the on the train, just like you know that woman was sitting there with yeah. her girlfriend. I, I'm assuming it was a girlfriend. It could have been a friend laying in her lap. Mm-hmm. And I had taken that photo, and I, it was a black and white shot. I had taken her to the photo. She's just laying in her lap, kind of you know whether she was sick or not feeling well or whatever. And I had taken the shot, and I thought it was an interesting shot. Uh, just it was right in front of me, and I was like, wow, this is this would be a cool shot to send them. So I took the shot and sent it to them and and yeah, you know yeah. along with a bunch of other shots that i had taken that week and that was the one they had they had used um i think that like the the thing about it is you know uh you know when you go back to like uh, uh some of the early uh photographers like robert frank who would do a lot of that street stuff yeah. and um you know sort of out kind of like trying to figure out like what uh, what the world was really about. And, and it wasn't really like exploiting people. It was more about feeling out, you know, the world that we live in. And I don't have a problem with street photography when the photographer is reaching out in that way, yeah. where they're actually trying to feel out what the world is about, what the world is being, what people are thinking and feeling at this moment. I have, I do have a problem when, uh, services sometimes you know will will publish that to try and get you know uh to try and create controversy yeah and i think that's the big deal i think the big deal is how much controversy um because you know at the end of the day these news these news 
papers and magazines and so on, you want as many eyeballs on their publication as they can get. Yeah. So the only, the, the, the real, I, I think they, they forego the artistic integrity of the photo uh, to create that controversy. Now mm -hmm. that photo is a very, very, really well done, well taken photo. Um, so as it stands alone as a, as a photo, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. is a beautiful picture. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But what goes beyond that, how, how it's portrayed and how the media is trying to push that in, yeah. a, in a negative light is, is, where I, is where I have a problem with, with photojournalism. You know, it, just personally, that's, that's, you know, because it can be manipulated uh, mm -hmm. in that way where it, it takes away from the integrity of the photo and what the intention of the photographer was trying to do. Sometimes yeah. that doesn't match up. That's the problem yeah. I have. That it doesn't match up necessarily, yeah. you know, with the intention of the uh, photographer and the intention of the publication that's actually trying to get that out. Yeah, I mean the 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 I mean basically kind of like what I think that um, all no matter kind of what genre of photography we're in, um, what we need to kind of realize is that we're in 2021. We're not in Robert Frank's era. We're not in Brisson's era. We're, you know, we're in this era. And the fact that we take an image and I mean, like, it's, it's kind of a, a joke. I mean, like when I, when, when my, uh, when my kid sister, she's 21, you know, got her first cell phone, I just hammered it in, in her, in her head. If you take a photo with your phone, consider it goes, it, it's on the internet. Right. Just, even if you never publish it, if it goes nowhere, just consider every single time you take a photo, that photo is going to be seen by everyone. And like, it's unfortunate. It is terrible. It's disgusting, but it's one of those like, and it's not a shame. It's, you know, not me trying to shame any. You take whatever photos you want, but just realize that like, un because of the world, the terrible, like, because basically the internet is terrible. <laughs> At least well, people are terrible. I mean, it's yeah, the internet's yeah. just a mechanism I, by which people communicate. I mean, uh, yeah, we could, that could be a longer discussion about, um, you know, um, <laughs> the, the difference between, you know, uh, you know, opi opioids and uh, fentanyl. Um, the internet is fentanyl. <laughs> like it, it just makes everything worse. Um, and, um, but there's a, but there's a big difference between the virality and like way, the way things get used, the way, the fact that photos immediately become memes and turn into everything, turn into something else. And I think that as photographers, we need to, it, maybe it doesn't influence you, maybe it doesn't change you, but you have to live in the world where that world exists. You, you're not Robert, you, you don't get to be Robert Frank, unfortunately. You don't get yeah. to live in that era of film where the only, the only versions of those photos that are made are the ones that likely you made and then printed and then put on a wall in a, muse you know, in a, in a gallery somewhere. It is once you upload something up to Instagram or do whatever, is that the internet owns that image now, not legally, obviously, <laughs> but you know, that internet has possession of that, of that image and everything will go from there. And people, you know, the fact that the, the big difference of, you know, like, you know, maybe if you're lucky, 10,000 people going to a gallery show over six months, 10,000 people see that photo like that. And and the fact also you're not getting, you're getting a completely and totally different group of people seeing it than just your art friends. You're getting, you're getting everyone who doesn't understand. You don't understand why that image is a, is a gorgeous image and why it's good. You, you just get everyone from, you know, perverts 
<laughs> looking at feet on the internet and uh, not to King Shane, um, but, uh, and to, you know, to art scholars and you get everything in between. And it's just something that we have to, I think that we have to think about as photographers when we publish and when we do things is especially now that we're publishers and we're not, you know, most photographers are their own publishers at this point, whether they, you know, whether they think that way or not, even the wire photographer is the one that uploads those photos and publishes them to the internet and then anyone can buy them, you know? And so it's just something I think that we need to, you know, think about and have more conversations about because it basically just gets down to, Oh, well, it's a free speech issue. I can, I can publish anything. You're in a public place and da da da. And it's just like, I used to be that way. I used to be a lot more that way. Um, and I realized is that I don't think that there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fights that we don't need to fight. <laughs> and uh, to me, that's one of the, and it just makes an already hated like photojournalists, journalists. I mean, like the number of times I get po- called paparazzi, no matter where I am um, <laughs> in a million ways, just because I'm taking photos of something that's happening um, and the amount of hatred that you get. Um, you know, I mean, I've just had two friends that were, were attacked at different rallies and uh, um it's just one of those is like we constantly, I think we also have to be vaguely aware of the world that we live in, especially the past five, five or six years, if you know what I mean, about what if you're working as a photojournalist and what um, both sides, if you want to say both sides, but both sides kind of like look at our world and, you know, I don't know. Uh, Mark, you mentioned the media in your comments, and I just wanted to kind of you to clarify that what is it about this image or the way it's represented that you think the media is at fault with pushing something like again i mean they're just this particular story is just publishing the photo and and using it as a point of discussion similar to how we are are you talking about like the media in general like in any in in the way they take any image what's sort of your argument there about media i mean i I mean, I've done I've done research on a lot of this stuff over the years, you know, with uh, regards to you know looking at uh, some images that uh, photojournalists take, um, how some of those images are often manipulated in post production, and how they they're creating you know uh, a different meaning, you know, yeah. uh, the narrative the narrative uh, in which a, a media outlet can change with an image is, is just incredible. It's incredible because what people don't realize is, you know, what sometimes happens is the image that we're taking that like a person like Zach is taking, um, you know, can be misconstrued. You know, it could be the angle that Zach is, you know, the, 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 you know, every, every photo that you take, you know, the meaning of that photo changes from one angle to the next, from one lighting style to the next. Um, so the meaning of that photo changes, the meaning of that particular capture changes just by going to the left or to the right or going behind somebody or hap- in the case of photojournalism, um, being standing in this position as opposed to this position. The gun looks like it's pointing at this person, but it's really pointing at that person. The, the perspective of photography, uh, particularly in photojournalism, is very, very easily uh, uh, uh could be easily manipulated, whether it's in post-production situation or it's in a photography situation where a photographer is conscious that that image that they take from this angle is going to change the narrative of the story that's actually occurring and unfolding right in front of them. And there's no doubt that you, you can make that argument with 
any photographer that's out there, you know, me being myself, being a professional photographer, I can go and say, well, if I stand here and I see this is, you know, this is a peaceful protest, but if I go here and I get this shot from this angle, that's mm-hmm. going to change. That photo is now not going to be a pre- look like a peaceful protest is occurring. So there's a lot of manipulation that's done, not just in post-production, but also in the angles in which the photographers choose when they're out there in the field. Yeah. Okay. I want to throw it back to you, Zach. I want to clarify what you were saying. So you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that consent, context, and permission needs to be inherent in every photo you're taking or it needs to be a part of the photos you're taking before you feel be, comfortable. It needs to be the conversation it. you're having. Photo- every photographer gets to make their own choices on what they do. I'm not, right. I, you know, I'm not trying to put down some dictum. You no, know, I'm talking dictate, about your personal beliefs because you've said it's changed over time. And no, it's based, I mean, you know, well, I mean, I think that there's a, there's to me, there's a dramatic difference between like, I mean, especially most of what I, I, I almost always I'm trying to think of any time that I may not have, you know, like if I cover some, if I'm, as a photojournalist, the type of work that I do is either I'm going into somebody's home who let me in, or I'm going to a rally or something that is in a public place that is specifically designed to create media, press, and that sort of thing, and then covering those stories. And so for me, I mean, obviously it's, again, it's a lot easier for me. Like those choices are are pretty simple is that if you're if you're 99.9% of the time if you're in front of my camera lens you're in a you're in a public place at least you know in the context you know whatever if you're even if it's in a you know a stadium or something like that um you're in a area that is known it's basically the kind of like you know how like if you're in a area that's filming in it for a movie and you right. have that, that sign on the sign on like the street pole that says if you sure. come into this area there's a good chance those that there's a already an inherent moment of consent that right, said okay. do i still do i still if there's a child or something like that that is that's at a rally whatever do i still try to at least get eye contact of uh the parent i often try to do that um and just like like basically while i'm taking the photo like i'm looking for eye contact and i'm looking and reading the moment it unless it's an important photo unless something's going on if it, just taking a photo of like a little kid holding a sign or whatever it's not that, you know, it's that moment. It's not like it's the groundbreaking moment. It's not, you know, um, you know, someone be attacking. There's no, there's no, there's no Pulitzer there. There's no, uh, there's right. no news like worthiness necessarily of that photo other than it's an illustrative point of, of, of the day. Um, and so there's like just things that I'm constantly thinking about when I'm taking those photos um, that I, I think that we should be having. Obviously we're talking about street photography in the, right. in the light, in the guise of, or in the light of, uh, of photojournalism, sure. obviously, you know, I think that a lot of street photographers would argue this is not photojournalism they're doing. It's more of an art than it is, than right. it is a journalism. Yeah. I think a lot of people would, um, yeah. that said the next step of publishing and doing whatever, if you're just taking these photos and you're like, okay, you know, even if you're, especially, even if you're just like, oh, I only doing a gallery show or something like that, <laughs> but the moment you put things on the internet, I just think that it's it's something that we need to have that conversation about is that you realize you release it out there. And even if you add a caption, even if you somehow put the caption into the accept data or whatever, and it's there, that image is out in the world and that it's immediately going to be used by people for different reasons. And and also, especially since, you know, so many of these images uh, don't have any sort of consent, 
um, you're putting those people, you're not just putting that photo out there, you're putting those people out there for that moment. And so it's just, it's just one of those, like, I don't necessarily, I don't know what my opinion is necessarily on it. I, I, again, I'm very happy that I'm comfortable (laughs) not doing street photography. Um, yeah. Um, whether (laughs) would I take that photo? Um, you might take it, but would you publish it? That's the thing, right? That you you might take it, but you wouldn't publish it. Often what I, often what I'll do, if I see like a really nice moment, um, and like, again, I don't know who knows whether that mother note thinks says that's a nice moment. You know, yeah, I right. take a lot of nice, I think nice moments of like, uh, you know, when my sister, when my family goes out on vacation, I take really, I think what are, what are really nice photos. And then I show them to my mom and she's like, Oh my God, I look terrible. And I don't want, <laughs> don't ever publish that photo. And that mom could think that, or that mom could go, Oh my God, this is like this great moment of like family and everything like that. And like what I'll do a lot of times, if I do randomly take that photo, because again, it's never my like intent to take, go out and take, you know, street photography of that type of thing of people's faces specifically. I like silhouettes and, you know, it's a different type of thing, but is I will often go up to that person and go, do you want me to send you this photo? I took this photo. Um, (laughs) Because like, also I want to give this photo to her. Like that would be, if I took this photo, it's a great photo. It's whatever I would before, you know, right before I leave or whatever I go, I took this photo. I'll delete it if you want, but, or I'll never use anything with it. But like, I thought it was a really great moment. Do you want me to send it to you? Here's my card. Shoot me an email. That's what I, that's the conversation now. I don't think that's the case with that photo. I don't think it's the case with that particular photo with the the two little girls, mm-hmm. uh, um, with the mother. But um, I think it's a great photo. I really, I really think it's an amazing photo. There's something artistic about it. There's something painterly about that photo. Yeah. And if I took that shot, I probably would have posted it. Um, but again, it does take on a different meaning to your point. If it's if it's uh, if it's out there. And right. it could right. be manipulated or it could be misinterpreted uh, in some way. But isn't but, that true uh, of any image? Yeah, I mean, it is. It really is. But I mean, you know, I think as a photographer, I'm not looking at it that way personally. You know, I'm looking at I'm looking at taking a really great photo of a person or a subject or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm not thinking about necessarily thinking about, um, you know, how that's going to be used or or you know or abused mm-hmm. I, I mean I, yeah. maybe i'm naive in that way i don't know but i mean i just i i feel that you know maybe because i don't do as much photojournalism or or that kind of street photography but yeah. when i am doing that kind of work i don't you know i'm not thinking i, I think i'm looking at like you know where is the best photo going to come from where is it yeah. you know at that moment and you know, I guess sometimes, you know, once you post it to Zach's point, you know, it's out there for everyone to uh, manipulate and criticize and uh, meme. Uh, change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, meme, exactly. Yeah. So I want to clarify your point then, Zach. Your your sort of state stance is the line is that there is a understood uh, aura of consent because the photography you're taking is at an event, whether that be in mm-hmm. a stadium or at a protest, you know, they're like, the people out there understand they're going to be photographed and they, you as a photographer know that they understand they're going to be photographed. So there's that implied consent because it is event centric, right? That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So then how do you, again, getting off necessarily street photography, right? Because even in the photojournalism industry, we have, you know, it's called feature hunting, right? Where you're going Mm -hmm. out, you're, you know, back in the newspaper days, your yeah. editor would tell you, go find me some nice feature photos and you'd go to the park or you'd go walk the street 
and you try and find those nice found moments. Mm-hmm. Now, typically, like if you're a good photojournalist, you go up to the person after you've taken their photo and get their name and information mm-hmm. for caption information. They understand they're going to have their picture printed, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very rarely are you necessarily publishing the photo without their consent because ultimately you know, they might call the paper and be like, why are you publishing my photo? What is the newsworthy value of you publishing a photo of me playing in, you know, the park, you know, with a sprinkler, right? Yeah. Um, So it's, it's difficult for me, right, to kind of take Mm -hmm. your side or take, you know, anyone's side to the, to the degree of, you know, not, you know, saying like, hey, don't photograph found things or don't publish them. It'd be only because, and, and, and I just want to make sure I'm uh, Mark. You're not a father, right? Are, are you have any kids yourself? I just want to make sure if I'm the only father. Yeah, no, here. I do. I do. You do. I do. Okay. I just look at do some of my. I just look at do some of my my uh, my newspaper <laughs> stuff that I've shot. So. Okay, so I mean, you can chime in on this as well. But you know, from yeah. my perspective as a father, you know, looking at this, you know, if if would I want my photograph taken where I'm in a you know you know dealing with my I'm at my wits end trying to deal with my two kids. You know, what I want my, what I want my picture taken in the subway when I'm, you know, maybe I'm not at best with my kids around me. And no, I want, I wouldn't want my picture taken. I would feel it's an invasion of privacy, but I would defend the right of any photographer to take it and publish it in a non-commercial manner because that's just, you know, my background, right? You know, it's like at the end of the day, I think if we go towards, you know, again, it's it's up to every individual person's comfort level, right? You know, no one's forcing anyone not to or do something, but Mm -hmm. I, I fear a general wave of sentiment that, um, uh, how do I say, goes towards the narrative of restriction because it can end up in things like in Korea. So in Korea, there is very strict laws about publishing photographs of people who don't give their consent. You see it all the time. If you watch like Korean news, everyone's faces are blurred. So you Mm -hmm. end up seeing like crowd shots that are 90% blur because they're, they're not allowed to publish photos or video of people without their consent. And so, again, I fear that being sort of a mindset that perfect, you know, I don't want that, you know, here in, you know, know, America, as long as you're in public, you're, you're consenting to the world, essentially that you are putting yourself out there in view of the public and the millions of security cameras and every other camera that films you. So So it's it's difficult for me to, I mean, yeah. it's, it, you know, get Zach, but I mean, so, I mean so, so quickly, I mean, what I would, I, what I would say is that um, that sentiment is building amongst the public um, quite a bit. And to me, I know that most photojournalists don't share this, but to me is that we live right now. I don't think that at least within, certainly within my, my 40 years, um, I don't remember a time when journalists and and like very much photojournalists were hated so much and that our entire genre <laughs> entire like field was reviled to quite a bit um on bo- uh, quite a bit on, on on both in a lot of ways and both sides and that sort of thing and i think that because we as a field are not dealing with the realities of 2021 and what happens when we take images when we do things, when things go viral, when things happen, is that we're the originators, whether it's our fault or not, I don't know whether or not we should, if we don't want to change, then we should, you know, you don't change. But I think that we need to have some consideration in the fact that the world is, is changing, whether or not we like it or not, and that we need to evolve in the best way that we can 
to keep our industry as safe as it can, uh, not only from being completely chiseled away like it already kind of has been, <laughs> um, and uh, and all, but also from not just automatic always being you know, run out of places and being, you know, and that sort of thing. I mean, the general sentiment on, on the left and the right is they don't want photojournalist places. And, and we have this real big problem that we have to come to terms with is if we want to keep our industry, if we want to keep journalism, photojournalism, visual journalism alive, that we need to start making, I think, more considered choices on what we do and how we do things. And because we also, even though we don't make things go viral, we don't manipulate, I hope, you know, for the most part, manipulate things. We have to know that I, I hold back things. I hundred percent of it. I've said it a million times on the show. I hold back video clips that I know that will be taken out of context if I'm filming something. And I know because I know the perpetrators, I know the people that are on social media that will immediately grab that image or grab that video and make it go viral because they'll add a different caption and put something else on it. And unfortunately, I don't know how to stop that because I don't have, I got 14,000, almost 14,000 followers on Twitter. There's seven accounts (laughs) that have more, more followers than most um, cable news shows have viewers and they will take that vi- take those video clips of somebody hitting over a trash can doing you know doing different things at protest and make that go viral and there's a really good potential that the person that's in that video they'll figure out who it is in 10 minutes and that person's going to get a knock on their door by some fascist and these are considerations that I have to take continually and that I hope more photojournalists at least put it in their head, knowing that they do this because we don't live in the heyday of journalism where you just publish what's right and, you know, and the the public will, will read it and consume it. And that's, that's what it is. We don't live in that day and it's not coming back um, as long as the internet exists um, and it's gone. Um, And we, there's a lot of, a lot of people in our industry that just refuse to admit that they don't live in the age of, the age that never really existed because that age never really existed. There was always people that would take images, manipulate them, even just by caption, changing the caption or whatever. And that's it. Um, the difference is, is that it's now on, on hyperbaric steroids. Um, and it just goes immediately viral in the worst way possible. And it doesn't matter what the truth is. I've had, I've had images of mine go that way before. And no one knows. The other problem too, is that no one knows when they see that image in two years on somebody else's website, on somebody else's blog or on an Instagram page or on a Twitter feed, they'll be, they can figure out it was my photo or somebody else's photo, but they can't figure out that I didn't write that caption. I didn't do that. And so like, I know a lot of photojournalists who end up getting hate. I mean, like, look at, I published this stuff to the wire service and then Glenn Greenwald decided to pull it down for his blog and post it or whatever, a sub stack. And then it goes viral from there and it goes into the internet hate machine. Right. And so, right. and obviously this is. And also, <laughs> and, and then recaptured, mm-hmm. recaptioned essentially. Yeah. So you feel Zach that like a lot of photojournalists now are targets for like. I mean, we are. I mean, I, I got, I get, um, I mean, especially if we try to be safe, I can't wear a mask at a rally. Uh, at a lot of rallies that I cover now, um, because I'm immediately targeted. 
Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I was at a rally in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania uh, with like a hundred people. And I was the only, I think there was one other journalist there. Um, and I had my camera set up and everything like that. And like the entire speech, every person was just pointing right at me and being like the media. They have no idea who I am. Right. They don't know. Sure. They don't yeah. know if I'm right, if I'm left, if I'm CNN or whatever. I mean, they always assume you're C- you're CNN, right? <laughs> um, and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the the that was perpetrated by our former President Trump, who you know vilified the media and, and, and carried on, and people happily went along with it. Yeah, because they wanted yeah. to. I mean, they, they want everybody Trump wants an enemy, right? Want, and like the media yeah. makes it easy target, right? Because we yep. can always well they're going online and they're publishing my photo and they're making it making me look bad on internet, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So let me throw it back to you, Mark, really quick. I want to just check with you, your father, you have kids. Yeah. Does that impact or, you know, either this image or your just um, overall idea of how you see images of children being photographed? Like, do you have that sort of same guttural, I guess, instinct to, you know, not want to publish photos of, you know, children because of that fatherhood, you know, similar to like, you know, Zach has that feeling, you know, just because obviously we don't want to exploit children in general, but, you know, as a father, does that factor in at all? Like, does, you, you know, your desire to or not photograph children have any, uh, you know, impact because you're our father? I mean, that's a good question because I've, I've you know, I've crossed that bridge on, on a couple of occasions where, you know, I'm in a setting where, you know, I, I take a really good shot of a very young kid. And it's a, it's a great shot and I'm hesitant and I have been hesitant. In fact, one time I took a shot and I posted it up. It was a, like a close shot of a, of a young uh, girl or whatever it was. And I posted it up and uh, I took it right down. I literally took it right down because it's still there on um, the internet. Cause you posted what's that? <laughs> it's still yeah, on the internet. Cause you posted it. Right. The internet <laughs> no, owns I, it now. I th- yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, because you know the, it's in your head, like Zach is saying. It's automatically it's there. You know, it's yeah. it's part of what we do as far as grabbing images and and, and um, you know, if there's a moment like this particular photo, um, I think is beautiful and it's something that you know maybe I would post if I took it. Um, but there there there's definitely. You know, I, I think it's a case by case basis, really. I don't think you you have you completely shut it down. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you look at it and you say, well, you know, that's not serving anyone's interest. You know, or that's going to, you know, you have to think like Zach saying, where is this mm-hmm. going to end up? And I don't think there's any way to really prevent it. I, I really don't. I mean, it's the only yeah. way to prevent it is just not take it or yeah. not post it because. You know, if you take a photo today and like Zach saying, you put, you know, happy family, you know, uh, in caravan and then six months later, you know, that same photo has a completely different caption and it turns into a completely different meaning. I mean, not everyone's looking, you know, at that particular photo from the day it was posted with this really cheery caption on it. Now they might be seeing it, you know, six months later um, on on, you know, on a right wing, you know, website or something. I don't you know, whatever whatever yeah. the case is. Um, so there's not only is there photo manipulation, but obviously caption. So it's very hard to kind of, you know, decipher like what you should post, what you shouldn't post, what you should shoot, what you shouldn't shoot. You know, I'm looking at it more from an artistic point of view, more like, 
you know, if I see, you know, if I think that that's going to be a nice image, then I'm going to take it and sort of like look at it and then sort of think about what, you know, yeah. if I'm going to publish it or not, or how I'm going to publish it. I think you definitely have, I think in, in to Zach's point in today's day and age, um, you know, from his perspective of, of actually being a photojournalist and actually making a living that way, um, you have to, you know, you have to really think these things out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's yeah. a slippery slope. It really is. Well, you know, we're obviously getting into the realm of consent, right? And we've talked about consent on this show many, many times. And what my general sort of feeling is, and I think I've probably expressed it before, right, is, you know, don't don't let permission get in the way of capturing. But when in all cases, if possible, get that buy in, get that consent, you know, but I'd hate for a world where these type of images didn't exist, if only because if we look back in the world of, you know, if you look at the 100 best photos of the year or 1000 best photos of the century or whatever, I would say probably the majority of those are those very, you know, captured moments, right? They aren't scripted, they aren't planned, the person doesn't know they're being photographed, and they lead to yeah. these wonderful, expressive, memorable photos. But, you know, and I, I would tell anyone who, who would have asked me, you know, always take the picture, try and get the consent afterwards. But at the end of the day, and again, it's different for everybody. I wouldn't let, if it's no. in public, I wouldn't let the consent stop me from publishing a really great photo because in my opinion, the world is better off for having had that photo exist. And I would be remiss if I thought of, you know, all the wonderful, great, beautiful moments as long as they're not, I try not to, you know, I wouldn't say go exploitative, but, you know, don't be exploitative. But again, the wonderful moments that would be missed if, you know, we didn't have this sort of inherent need and desire to capture sort of found imagery, found moments. So again, like you said, Zach, it's, it's individual for everybody. We all have to be aware and cognizant exactly. of how our images are going to be received online. And I think any you know, photojournalist worth their salt should be cognizant of that and understand the ramifications. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're going to publish this photo. You did not get consent. You need to understand what you're doing will have a direct impact potentially on this person and their livelihood. Are you ready to make that call and have your name attached to that decision? Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're okay with that, that is an individual decision. It should be factored in, mm -hmm. but shouldn't be blanket necessarily, in my opinion, you know, don't do something because it has, it has to be factored in. Right. So, yeah. all right, let's, let's move on to, <laughs> let's move on to something a little bit lighter. It's Thanksgiving tomorrow, right? Yes, everybody got, is. everybody got Thanksgiving plans. What are you doing Zach for Thanksgiving? Uh, my, uh, my uh, uh, friend's family lives down the street and so nice. I'm just going over there. Um, they got everything um, like surprisingly, like my mother, I don't know if this is like a growing thing, uh, but got everything uh, like catered. I mean, just, they just went to a restaurant and got, you know, platters basically. Um, and so it's actually going to be a really nice thing. I'm like the only thing I'm just making extra mashed potatoes, just mainly because of me, because <laughs> I know nice. I'll, I'll at least have, you know, four servings or whatever. Um, nice. It's my favorite part of, mash, of, of Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, yeah, it was very dangerous once I figured out, I'm like, I can just make mashed potatoes anytime. <laughs> good well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got some place to go and somewhere you're, yeah. you're, you're nearby otherwise i'd yeah. be like come on up come over to the house you're welcome to you can crash over here at our pad and, and and have dinner with us we're gonna do dinner 
uh, just going to make it in the house. We've done it for the last few years and we'll just uh, cook up a turkey and a few side dishes. We're not going to go 16 different side dishes because that's just overkill, but we'll do a couple side dishes and some turkey because we know we'll be eating it for the next like week or so. <laughs> yeah. uh, how about you, Mark? Any Thanksgiving plans? Well, you know, being a divorced dad, my ex-wife has my kids this year, although right, they're okay. older, they're 21 and 17, so they can kind of do whatever they really want. But, you know, yeah. in an effort to to keep peace, uh, she'll take them this year because I had them last year. Okay. And my girlfriend's coming over from Pennsylvania and I'm making a, a, a small little turkey and some mashed potatoes, stuffing and uh, yeah, uh, some turnips because I love turnips. The only time I eat them is during this time of year. Yeah. So and I love those turnips. And uh Nice, quiet, romantic night. Watch a couple movies afterwards, or maybe go right next door to one of my friends for uh, for some drinks and dessert, and then walk right back to the apartment and uh, watch a movie and go to sleep. Pass that's out. it. That's, that, that's it. That's on. the. That's going to be the whole weekend starting tomorrow. <laughs> hey, there Looking you go. Really forward to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, whatever, whatever it takes to enjoy yourself. We were, you know, we're probably going to go. Um, we'll do Thanksgiving. Then we'll probably we're going up to Sesame Place up nice. in pennsylvania yeah which is yeah, about sure. an, two and a half hours away so we're going to take the kids there and so it should be a nice little treat for them and then beyond that we have no other plans so we'll probably <laughs> maybe visit philadelphia you know i was going to say also mark if you didn't have anything planned come on down come on down to the murphy <laughs> house down in maryland I was, actually, Everybody's I, was actually, I was actually gonna head up my girlfriend does live in delaware water gap by the poconos so that's okay. not terribly far from yeah. where we're probably gonna be yeah Well, with Thanksgiving, obviously comes Black Friday. And, you know, Black Friday has kind of really lost its meaning in this day and age because everybody's doing these early Black Friday deals and it it just molds into Cyber Monday. I mean, literally the whole month feels like Black Friday. (laughs) I know, right? It's it's kind of yeah, the the idea. (laughs) Yeah, the idea of everything. (laughs) the internet's ruined everything including Uh, black friday exactly yeah so the the idea of kind of crowding at your store and getting in there for the doorbuster deals is kind of a moot point but um you know are there any black friday deals you've seen that relate to you know your line of work like whether that be like a camera a lens a memory card whatever maybe that has something to do with either you know again whether it be straight photography or maybe something related to uh, what you're doing well the one thing i was waiting for and i'm still waiting for and hoping for is that polaroid is going to come out with a deal on their you know uh, on their film on their i type film because the polaroid film is expensive man so i'm hoping they come down <laughs> price a little bit so i could buy a five pack for under 80 dollars which would be really cool yeah and that's what i'm basically looking for right now so i'm gonna wait till cyber monday i was gonna buy it on wednesday i was like no i don't wait i don't wait till monday and see what happens but yeah. that's that's about it that's what i've been looking for right now you know i don't know if there's any really great camera deals out there yeah anything in your world um, zach uh adobe uh which i'm um i i wish i wish that they let you cancel and then just restart again because um uh, adobe has uh i have to have the entire suite because i use like just enough of like everything that it, it just does never makes sense to just get like one and one one or whatever um but uh they're having a 40 percent off um uh, for the, I think for at least for a year, I think it right. is, um, yeah. off of the full suite. So it's only $29 only in quotes, but like that's <laughs> considering it's 50, 
four dollars. You know, that's not that's not bad. That's not. Yeah, bad. no, no. Believe me, yeah, I I really could just keep track of when that cancellation date comes around because otherwise you're well. Here's also here's always the secret, everyone. <laughs> um, threaten to cancel, and they give you. They often um, this is like a known thing, but yeah. like they often give you two free months um, yeah. because I <laughs> moving and everything like that. I've just been like literally yesterday. I got the like, hey, your card didn't go through <laughs> notification. I'm like, I'm like, maybe I can cancel it and then just start with the twenty nine dollars because that'd be fantastic. But yeah. Um, we use one of those burner card services that they offer where it basically creates a, you know, one-time use credit card and yeah. basically just give them that. And that way, when, you know, if you don't want to win it for a year and you go to renew, they can't debit another year. So <laughs> yeah, you got to have another burner email though. That's the problem. Is that no, I, no, I, no. I, it, I mean, a lot of the, they have services that are free that provide it. Some banks even provide it. So it's yeah. not even something you have to like, you know, you're not like scamming anybody. You're mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's a service that is out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did the Black Friday deal with Adobe many years ago and got like roped into another two years of it because I forgot one year. I thought it carried on past one year. I didn't realize it was yeah. a one year thing. So like two years in, I'm like looking at my, my bill and I'm like, wow, 60 bucks a month, $600. What? And then yeah, I went I to go cancel it because, but had, because I'd already started the third year, I had, I had to keep it going yeah. or I was, I suffered a cancellation fee. So I'm like, Adobe. And after yeah. that, I never went back. And I wouldn't be using Adobe today if it weren't for the fact that it comes with my job. I get it for free. So, you know, because I need it for my work. Um, otherwise, you know, I gave it up. And Zach, if you want me to give you like the the clear map roadmap to give up and, and cut off, you know, Adobe Anonymous, I can help you wean yourself uh, off Adobe. I, honestly, um, I, it's I an addiction, we, Zach, and you need to break your phone. Um, I, I don't <laughs> want to relearn. I, don't, I, I, had to, I went from Final Cut. I knew Final Cut pretty well. And then everything switched to Adobe and I knew Quark. I remember Quark. And oh, like, yeah. and so, yeah, yeah. and so I, I was, I was a whiz at Quark because our computer um, back in 2000 and with 2000 and the uh, SUNY purchase independent newspaper would continually crash. And so I, I had to basically almost every single newspaper that we put out um thankfully it was a weekly um or anyway it was like it was it wasn't regular let's just say um every newspaper we put out um i basically had to rebuild at least twice um because the saving i mean remember you had to save on um the zip disks and it would never save correctly and everything like that yeah and so like i i became by the end of like one semester i became like i could put together an entire newspaper layout in like in like 30 minutes as long as yeah. the everything would process quickly enough because of like just redoing it over and over and over again um but yeah, See, yeah. i went <laughs> i went i went from quark to indesign that's mm. that's the transition that i, I made still haven't i still haven't really i know vaguely i like i can open up a file and i can make oh, a change yeah. in design <laughs> and that's basically about it i got a friend who's a graphic designer who basically i go Paige, can you can you fix it she's like okay <laughs> but I, i've been fortunate to uh you know when you have kids you can use the student id with adobe and i've been sure, using yeah. I've been using the student ID. My daughter's been in school for three years, so um, don't don't, don't listen to Toby. Don't but my, my what was that, Mark Doyle? Like, oh, okay, got it. Cancel. So you remember you remember that no, remember that whole button you clicked when you yeah. came into the program? It's everything's being recorded. Just so well, you know, here's what's consent. interesting about that. Uh, what's interesting about that is my friends like, can we get your daughter's ID? And because he was paying like fifty something dollars a month, right? And he's like, your daughter's a student. Can we use her student ID to yeah. to sign up for, you know, for Adobe? 
for I think it was tw- I think it's twenty two dollars a month or something like yeah, that for yeah, for students. It. And he's like, if you can get her ID, I'll pay for you know we'll get two users and I'll pay for it and I'll give you one of the users for free. Yeah. And then I'll just pay the twenty dollars a month, and because yeah. he was paying fifty anyway, so it's a win-win really for him. So yeah. I've been using it. I've been using it basically for free. Yeah, nice. so there you go. Cool. Yeah. yeah, like I said, I weaned myself off that program. It was uh, it was a tough addiction, but uh, I'm using open source. So using DaVinci, using all kinds of different things. So I've gotten nice. very used to that. I mean, honestly, if you just need basic editing stuff, uh, Photo P. Yeah dot com is a wet free website that does 90 percent of what photoshop does uh davinci is a great free video editor i, I paid for the 300 dollars for it just because mm-hmm. you get it for life you get updates free updates for life it's a yeah, great it's thing good. Mm-hmm. It's good. so anyways there's, there's a whole other things but you know if it works for you then it works for you it doesn't matter i mean it's all about workflow and especially if you have to work with like other organizations that use adobe it's the industry that's, standard that's a big so. problem is the rest of my team um yeah, yeah. Uh, in my production uh, the company i work or the nonprofit i work with yeah. uses adobe and so yeah. it's yeah that's not a, not it's not necessarily a choice um yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, in the, your case it's non-negotiable you have to yeah. read with the industry <laughs> standard yeah. now, <laughs> now what i got to do is start getting them i wish i could get them to get like a non-profit account so we can there you go yeah. <laughs> yes that'll never happen. yes i can never discount well no but they don't discount they, uh, yeah but not um, profit rates yes i've i've tried i've tried to work it out and it doesn't it it just doesn't work out because anyway, it doesn't work out. But um, the one thing I've been disappointed with the black, the, you know, the, the sales that they're, you know, like Adorama is things like it's, everything's like 10%. You are like, Oh, it's 300 bucks off of this, off of this camera. It's a $3,600 camera. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, it's cool. It's greater than anything. I mean, like Nikon, Nikon is like famously yeah. kind of stingy with sales and stuff like that. At least to me, it's, it's been, um, um, but uh, I just had a, uh, my 7200, um, let's just say isn't reliable. Um, and so, and so I have to like replace it even before I do my big switch to Sony, which unfortunately I think I'm going to have to do. Um, I have to get a 7200, at least for like a couple months before like that whole thing happens. Mm. And it's like, I've been trying to look for that deal now that I have the, the, uh, the Nikon mirrorless cameras. And it's like, oh, the, the, the 7200, uh, mirrorless is, I think twenty three hundred dollars or twenty six hundred dollars normally, and the sale brings it to twenty two hundred dollars, and you're like, cool. <laughs> you know, actually, the other thing is Printique. You know, the Adorama's print company is having a very good sale too. I think they're doing twenty five percent off of their print services, so that's that's nice. a pretty good deal. Yeah. So yeah, their the Printique is is actually quite is it's usually what I use for my uh, my uh, uh, prints and. Yeah, they, that's who I use them affordable exclusively. to begin with. So, yeah, on top of that, so yeah, I mean, I I use them exclusively for all of my stuff that I do on Etsy and, and eBay. So, uh, but yeah, if you don't use them, twenty five percent off is that's that's pretty kick ass. You yeah. know what I mean? If you want to yeah. do some some canvas prints, or you know, you want to try something on metal, you know, because they're so expensive stuff yeah. on metal yeah. or or acrylic. So if you if you want to take a shot at something small. You know, getting that twenty five percent off is 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 the time to uh, to try something on metal or on acrylic. Yeah, speaking of that, last year I took advantage of this um, one of the print photo brick photo book printing services was offering unlimited pages. So mm-hmm. I took basically two years worth of Korean photos that I shot, you know, of our family together, and built a book called you know Our Time in Korea, which was like right. two hundred pages, but I only paid like the rate for a twenty page book, so it was great. <laughs> cool. I mean, like. 
I, th- I think I saved like $200 per book by using that discount. Nice. So I assume, and your family um, sued you later on for not um, getting consent <laughs> while they were exactly. In yeah. <laughs> I'm still litigating with my son. He, he's got, got me up the ringer. You know, he's got the best lawyer taking me yep. to court in Maryland and Korea. Yep. Both Richard jurisdictions is on the team. Uh, oh man. <laughs> I'm going to end up owning him for like the next 20 years. It's, yep. it's crazy. Well, but, Printique's books can be Printique's books can be expensive, you know. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. doing a, a portfolio book, you know, a nice one, you know, it's it, it can be costly. You know, it could be up in that couple hundred dollar range for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at B and H photos just to kind of see if they have any good deals. And here you go, Zach. Just just for you, save two hundred dollars oh, right. on a two thousand dollar camera. Come on, man. That's just get your checkbook you out go. now. There you uh, go. But yeah, there there aren't a ton of great deals. It really depends on, you know, what it is and what you want. I will say, though, the deal that I've took advantage of specifically relates to my work is uh, Best Buy has a 14 terabyte hard drive for sale for $200, which is typically, you know, their MSRP is like 419 but I don't know if anybody actually pays that. You can get it for about 250 260 at like yeah. Amazon, but it is the cheapest price I've found for that um density of hard drive that size of hard drive and what i'm going to do is i bought four of them and i bought a enclosure that allows me to put them into a raid array giving mm-hmm. me essentially a 42 terabyte hard drive because i'm put in raid five so it sacrifices one drive but like i said it gives me a little redundancy yeah. which is what you really need in this world but i'm i'm coming up to the limit of most of my hard drives as i come up to the end of 2021 so my intent is to make this 42 terabyte hard drive which will be you know for under a thousand dollars which is far cheaper than what you could pay for something similar yeah this box and then <laughs> is that about box of hard drives? It's just this is just loose hard drives terabytes nice the, because but the way i do my backups is terrible i have yeah. those two, i have those two somewhere i have like sets <laughs> off site all over the place yeah it's shit everywhere yeah, you know, you know, I mean, if you as long as you have it backed up in two places at minimum and then three places, ideally, you're yeah. good. And you know, ultimately, yeah. what I'm going to do is like I've got, excuse me, I've got like two smaller hard drives, which have my 2021 archive. And then I've got my 2020 archive and another multi terabyte, multi drive rated array. So mm-hmm. 2021 will go from my two loose hard drives into this new master drive. And then everything beyond that will be built. But I always back up everything twice. So like you, you can't see, yeah. you can see a little bit in the background there, but I've got like every single hard drive I've ever owned and I don't delete anything off of them. And they act as backups, layered backups. So I've got like 500 gigabyte hard drives from like 20 years ago. So uh, yeah, I know that feeling, buddy. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll so say that's, though, that's... Um, like, unfortunately, none of my cameras use uh, SD now. Well, actually, no, my, uh, I've got more than enough for the one camera I have that has an SD, but uh, SanDisk is doing some pretty damn good deals. 256 gig card, uh, Extreme Pro for 59 bucks, normally 100 bucks. Um, looks like most of them are at least like 30, uh, 30 or 40% off minimum, uh, which is which is a pretty good deal. Um, I mean, occasionally they'll be better along the year, but uh, that one in particular, if I, if I had the cash, I'd probably pick uh, up a couple because it would be nice to have like shooting 4k video. Like, you know, you just go through, go through cards like water. I've had my extra, but I had, of course, thank you Nikon for the extraordinarily expensive Q uh, XQD cards that, (laughs) 
like, are that like wow they got like i think like they're like a hundred and what, what let's see there's, there's, hey, there's i feel your pain buddy yeah. cf fast man or whatever there cf express yeah i like, just bought this six hundred dollars for 512 gigabytes what a you know what a ripoff but yeah i just bought i just bought this sand card reader for eighty dollars it's compact flash and uh sd and lightning fast real yeah. real cool it's usb c yeah, I've got my CF Express card reader. I bought, I think that was 80 bucks or 60 bucks or something. Yeah. So I had to buy a new card and a new card reader. And it was like, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I did want to go over some of your stuff because, again, this is all about showcasing your work. And, and let's get into that really quick. I'll start with you first, Mark. Let me pull up some sure. of the photos you, sh- you sent me and then we'll just chat and talk through them. Uh, my most some... recent stuff anyway <laughs> yeah yeah i'm obviously you know i know so it's you, all you've in the got last a... like two three months maybe four months yeah you've got so a, you've got a long and illustrious career <laughs> doing this work and you know we're just kind of touching on some of the well one second let me share the right screen <laughs> okay uh so yeah obviously you know we're just talking about some stuff you've recently done so i pulled it up hopefully you as the audience can see this is what we're looking at but um, we'll start with this first one. Why don't you go ahead and talk through what we're looking at? So that's that's a jazz legend, Chris Bodie. And uh, that was the first show that I shot back at the summer stage for City Park Foundation. Um, I had, I've been shooting for City Park as one of their house photographers for the past five years. Obviously, COVID dampered that out Um in 2020 and they weren't sure how they would even do it in 2021 since you know everything was still kind of raging a little in in june um but they were able to pull it off and uh, this was the first show that they did in june i think it was june 29th and um you know everybody there was decently attended and everybody seemed to have a good time and uh he's just an amazing amazing um trumpet player Chris Bodie should look him up. So that was the first, uh, that was my first uh, gig back to live, uh, live event or live music for, for uh, summer stage central park. Was it live? Like the first live event after COVID or have you been doing live events? I had done a couple prior to that, but that was the first one I had done back. uh, That was my first, uh, you know, my first client (laughs) event client that uh that i was able to to reclaim after covid there's still a couple that i haven't reclaimed (laughs) was it weird going back to shooting live events again after kind of i'm guessing being on hiatus for a while yeah it was kind of it was kind of strange um because there were you know obviously there weren't big tours and you know uh, summer stage was was you know challenged in who they were able to get to to open up the the uh the summer shows but they were able to get him and then uh it led to a bunch of other shows at summer stage and then it led to some other uh shows for me uh with city park foundation at the coney island amphitheater which is another venue in coney island brooklyn that they have um so i was able to do a few of those so i was able to do about 12 or 14 shows for them you know and it was all you know you had to um the thing about it what was odd uh, the way things have been changing and so fluid um when when i first went in to do this show you know you had to have the vaccination which i had but then you know uh about four weeks into 
summer stage, we're five weeks into summer stage, they started doing rapid testing, you know, mm. on site. And wow. they hadn't done that on the first few shows. So it was it's really odd the way things have been going as far as like, you know, having vaccinations, uh, wearing your mask, not wearing your mask, on-site uh, rapid testing. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem like there was one specific rule for everything that went on or that everything that's going on in New York at the right. moment. Yeah, I'm sure they have the rapid testing at the QAnon and Trump rallies that you go to, right? Seth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they don't have to wear the mask because they have a rapid test. And so you don't need a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you start, you start really noticing a lot more. Like um, I, I still remember the first, one of the first um, anti-vax or anti-shutdown, whatever rallies that have during COVID and the light was just coming through just really nice on this guy. And I could just see all the spittle just coming out of his mouth right onto my camera. And I look at my lens and I'm like, oh my God, so what do I do? You just, you just suck it up. No, no, no you don't. <laughs> please, just close please, your please, mouth. Wipe close down. your eyes. Yeah. Carry so yeah, lots yeah. of yeah, sanitizer with you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this other photo, is it also from the same event or that's from another? The same sh- yeah, that's the same show. She came out into the audience which was cool. Uh, obviously, people in the corner you can see aren't wearing their masks. Um, <laughs> yeah. The idea was you didn't have to wear your mask. Again, it, it changed so rapidly that uh, that was an early show in June, and, and people who were vaccinated were told they didn't have to wear their mask, and then it sort of changed later on. The, mm-hmm. the interesting thing is every photographer, I mean, I was one of the only photographers there for that day, but every photographer at the, from that point on had to wear their mask in the pit whether you were vaccinated or not but some attendees didn't have to wear their mask so i don't know i don't understand all of it but that uh, you know we, we abide by those rules uh if we wanted to shoot and make and, and and make a living so you know we kept our masks on in the pit but uh, again that was early and uh you can see there's people in the corner there that didn't have their masks on so right. i guess they were vaccinated yeah. <laughs> was- <Yeah>. hopefully <laughs> And here we so, got a shot of uh, Hillary and some friends. Yeah, Hillary Clinton and friends. So this was at the 92nd Street Y, I, I want to say about three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. So she came in, um, the woman in the middle wrote a book. Uh, she was uh, one Huma of Hillary's. Yeah. What's that? Huma Abedin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She was one of her uh, employees uh, for many years. And uh, so Hillary came to speak on her behalf uh you know at the 92nd street y and we were told that uh she was coming and that uh she was going they were all going to have to keep their masks on through the entire shoot which did not make getty and ap happy because they were standing right alongside me when i was shooting this for for the 92nd street y um but then uh if you flip to the next shot of her when they actually were doing the talk she took her mask off And I was able to get a clean shot of her, as was Getty. The interesting thing about it is Getty is not allowed, or any wire service, are not allowed to shoot inside the venue. They're only allowed to shoot the step and repeat on the outside or the side of the venue um, because of union rules and house union rules. But uh, they made a slight exception because she didn't take her mask off, Mm -hmm. and they were able to grab a couple of shots like I took of Hillary without her mask on. Wow. And again, yeah. this is only three weeks ago, you know, so yeah. it's like very fluid, yeah. so, you know, changing. 
Well, you must have been pretty close or at least have pretty good access to get this shot or have a very good long lens, but. Yeah, I think uh, this was like 200 millimeter and I was fairly close. So yeah. Cool. Live design. This is the live design. So this is a show. This is a trade show uh, uh, for lighting technology that's held every year in Vegas in November. And I've been shooting this show for the organizers since 2015. And obviously last year we did not have it. And, and uh, so we, they came back this year and I was in Vegas um, last week for six days, five days, something like that, um, shooting their return and uh, very scaled down about 40% of the um, vendors came in on the, uh, you know, on the technology lighting side. And, uh, but, you know, it was, it was, it was really nice to see some of the vendors back and, um, and the show at least, you know, going. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so that was, that was a step, that's a step in the right direction, at least. Right. You know, because all of, yeah. Because all of these companies that are at this show, you know, uh, feed the, the, the live entertainment world. Whether it's theater, event, uh, concerts, you know, these are the live, these are the uh, lighting designers, these are the manufacturers, these are the guys that work, uh, you know, 12, 15, 16 hours a day hanging the trusses up and making sure the lights are, you know, it, it, you know, uh, properly hung and all kinds of, you know, safety measures are taken. Uh, this is that industry. Okay. Oh, so that's oh. that, that. So that was really positive that this part of the industry uh, came back in, in November. Yeah. It's Absolutely. really important that it did, yeah. Yeah, and was this part of their show as well? Yeah, so that's, just... that's a, a Luminati, that, that's a show that uh, um, they, they do a, 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 a morning show called uh, new, the New Technology Breakfast and uh, a lot of new uh, companies, a lot of companies come and present their, their technology, their new stuff. And this was uh, a lighting designer. This was a show, I didn't know about this, but this was a show that uh, this, the woman who actually uh, designed these lighting jackets and clothing um, was actually on uh, America's Got Talent. And that's sort of uh, how she got, she got discovered. Yeah, it's nice. pretty interesting. So yeah, they did I remember a seeing uh, a performance very, you know, with similar style. And it was just really blows you away what they can do with like synchronized and choreographed lighting and whatnot. So. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Cool. And you went to shoot a baseball game? And I was able to get back to some of the Met games, uh, shooting for uh, Mark Levine, who's the team photographer, and, and did some work for him, and was able to do a handful of games. Again, um, this was probably in you know May or June. No fans with masks on, as you can see yeah. in the background there. Yeah, it's like um, back to the old days. Yeah, yeah. It's just very weird. Like the way, you know, in May, you know, you had uh, you had uh, 50, 60,000 people at a ball game with no masks on. And in October, you know, you, you couldn't go into a bar without a mask. Right. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand really what was going on. It, there, it's, but... you know, we were doing when I got into here in July, we were doing no masks where I work. And then uh, when the Delta variant became very hot, it came back masks on so yeah yeah you know it's it's weird it's a weird society weird world we're living in right now you guys yeah, got I mean, your you booster see, yet <laughs> yeah no i have you could see there's no one back there i mean no one has a mask on not even like well one person i think you know has one mask or two masks yeah. on maybe you know out of the yeah crowd, so. very sporadic yeah very very sporadic so 
uh, it was fun to get out there and shoot some games again. You know, that was, you know, part of the whole, like getting back into doing events and doing, you know, live stuff. And, uh, you know, hopefully in 2022, it'll look more like this than it did prior. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see. We'll see. People can just get the vaccine and wear their mask and we don't maybe get this thing under control. Yeah, we're, but... we're, we're almost out of the woods. <laughs> we we said that. What did we say? We said that earlier this year, didn't we? We were almost out of the woods, right? What did we just say? 800,000, I think? Or we're just almost at 800,000 people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since since the vaccine, we've had we've lost 200,000 people, I think, and because people refuse to. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know what that's about <laughs> i'm not sure you know all right well let's let's go over uh thank you for sharing that stuff mark glad to yeah. glad to hear about some of your varied experiences uh let's go over something that you shot mm-hmm. zach this is a video um that you produced for vsu.news your website i'm gonna play this <laughs> and we'll kind of let it play for a little bit and then you can, can kind of talk about what we're watching okay sure Well, this is um, an event by in, in America to remember the many lives lost from COVID-19. And so every night they're having a performer come out to basically share some light on this dark and gloomy um, memorial. So I was honored to be the first one to come out and just be able to share some light and some get the music to just lift the spirits up in this trying time. To see a visual makes it even more real and more attainable. We can't, we don't really see the lives that's getting, that's being lost daily on a daily basis. So just to see this visual, see this, this, this is actually a, the amount of people that have been losing their lives to this disease. It kind of makes you even want to do something even more about it, be even more precautious, be even more safe, and to be even more advocating about trying to stop this spread. Just definitely by seeing these numbers, it can be really. Um, heartbreaking as well to see that so many people have lost their lives in the past couple of years and the numbers is still going up so it's really but it's really necessary to have this this thing in your head this this knowledge and this um, this remembrance just to keep on playing so that we be more active with trying to stop this So Zach, tell us a little bit about this story and how you kind of came about it and, and what kind of drove you to, you know, kind of create this piece of content about it. So this actually um, was one of those just like weird coincidences. Um, I didn't even know that this was a thing that was happening. Um, and uh, I was covering a, uh, a, a rally in, uh, in front of the uh, Capitol. Was in, yeah, it was in front of the Capitol. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was in front of the Capitol. Um, that was basically calling on, that was about the treatment of uh, prisoner, the January 6th prisoners. And on my way out of town, I see this entire field uh, by uh, 
uh, by the memorial there and or by the monument there and just a field of flags going by and I'm like oh what is this <laughs> and so I pulled over and and got out and just was taking some photos around and uh this this gentleman here um Christian yeah Christian Simmons uh who is a uh who sings at the National Opera in Washington DC uh, was brought out by uh, by the basically the nonprofit that was doing that put on this memorial uh, where there's uh, 670,000 small uh, as I say uh, 600 over 670,000 small f- white flags in rows um, and basically it's you know a per, it's a, at that time back in September that was how many people who had uh, died because of COVID and. And so you could go either you can go, you could have gone, I, I, I believe, yeah, it's over. It was, it was over in October, but um, you could go to a, a website and basically write your info, your, fa- your, your family member or your friend's info on there. And somebody either would write it on a flag or you could just go out there and with a black Sharpie, write kind of the, your, you know, write the name and then write like just a, a brief little thing about, you know, the person who passed and, and it was it was just one of those like really striking when you think about like um you know you have like the AIDS quilt back uh back in the what have been the late eighties early nineties that that was like traveling around uh the country and then I remember uh like I remember as a kid seeing the Vietnam there was a Vietnam memorial like the one that's relatively close to where this this was, and they had like the pieces that were like traveling the country. And it just made don't, me. Zach, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I can't see yeah. your face, bud. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, one second. There we there go. go. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Nothing. I didn't change anything, but uh, okay. Anyway, um, so so it just kind of like brought you know thought of that. It was just massive, like um, you know, not surrounding, but it was like uh, must have been several acres of uh, of flags just spread out in rows. And then like, every once in a while, you'd look down and see someone's name on one of the flags. And it just you know, especially at that point um, in the in in this year, we had kind of gotten to the moment where oh, we think we're on the other side of this and we're kind of like not, you know, the national conversation almost had nothing to do with COVID, even though those numbers just kept chugging along. And, uh, and that was, that was amazing. I mean, considering like this guy, they, they were bringing, uh, you know, opera singers and different performers out uh, to, uh, to basically, you know, build the stage of this thing, which I, that, that was, I think, kind of amazing to see. Yeah. No, absolutely. And obviously you shot and photographed and filmed him without his consent and then published it without his consent. So obviously obviously you seem like a very willing and and, uh, eager participant to talk about a very important cause. And so that was, that was an awesome uh, story there. Very, very, very well done. Mm -hmm. And now that you're living near DC, you can do it. Are they still the flags up? No, no, no. It went away. It was uh, from September 17th um, and to October 3rd. Um, Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it, the the other thing that's interesting is that like I mean this is completely off the subject of that is the is like I've become um, I've discovered because uh, Twitter's uh, video length standard video length is two minutes and twenty seconds as long I as you know, can post wow, on there okay. and um, 
And so like, I've discovered that this is like, like, that's actually the perfect like news segment length for me to edit. And I've like, I've actually become really good at editing a two minute and 20 minute long segment. And then just this past month, um, Twitter started a paid program. Like literally we like, I pay for it. Yeah. I have Twitter blue and now it allows you, I think up to 10 minutes. But it's still, but it's still, it's like, it's like, it's actually kind of, it's been an interest. It's like kind of interesting how it like forms the process. But I mean, like between my account and uh, the guy I work for, like we see, you know, like this didn't get a lot of views, but whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, but like the, I know, got a couple thousand, but on the other hand, oh. you know, what an average news segment sees, you know, I mean, like a, a piece I did earlier in the year on um on a character named Ali Alexander got I think it's up to over 600,000 views and so it's just like oh that's a CNN's nightly news segment and it's getting a larger view you know viewership than and actually people are very clearly paying attention to it because they're clicking on it to watch it and so it's one of those like I think it's it's just an, an interesting thing about the evolving nature of how you know I think everyone really we really need to be viewing like outside of the box of just cable news and just outside of, you know, nightly news or whatever, if we're doing, especially video, uh, when you're doing video journalism. Um, but yeah, anyway. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. You need, yeah. People should be doing that. Hey, how long have you been doing the Twitter blue thing? Uh, it just, I got, I did it like the first day <laughs> that I signed up the first day. Um, I don't know if I've noticed any difference. I actually haven't done much video work. Um, so I haven't done really any video work since I signed up for it. So I actually haven't even tried to upload the 10 minute thing. And, wow. and it's, I mean, how like, long have you, when did you start using it? Like a few months ago or? I think it's, I think it's been this month. I think it's signed up. Oh, for wow. Maybe so you just month, literally started using it. it. Ju- oh, okay. They, well, Twitter just started it. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And so like they sent me, you know. Uh, or I, I don't know if they sent me something or if I just like, oh, you're eligible. I don't know if it was an eligibility thing. Occasionally I get, you know, with Facebook and Twitter, um, you know, you get, you know, access to try a beta thing or something like that. But I don't think that was that. I think that was pretty much everybody. But yeah, it's it's the other thing that's really cool about it. And I don't know how maybe it's not cool. Maybe it doesn't actually it's not beneficial, but uh, you pay four ninety nine a month and then it for many articles like going to the Washington Post or going to New York Times or different things is that, or the Daily Beast or something, is that it has a, it has like a little Twitter blue logo thing underneath the right. news article. And then you won't, you don't get advertisements um, right. and you get access to it. So very clearly that's, there's that's uh, cool. a news, like the way that Facebook used to do, uh, or it still does. Um, I hope they're doing it better than fa- what Facebook did because, you know, but it's still, it's nice because you're going to their website, unlike what Apple and Facebook de- did, which is they brought news on their platform. So you never leave Facebook and you never leave Apple. Um, right. Twitter is literally just, you go to da- thedailybeast.com or whatever and read that article. So that's actually yeah. kind of cool. So Yeah, no, I was going to ask if you know, I'd seen any sort of dividends from your expenditure, you know, had it made a difference, but obviously it's too early to test that. Well, I mean, again, like not, not having to worry about ads, not doing that sort of thing. And the fact that it's contributing to the news, the fact that it is contributing to some level to the news sites that it's doing, and then the 10 minute thing, that's kind of all I really want. And I don't see ads. I don't see sponsor stuff as much um, on on, on Twitter, which is, which is also nice. So, okay. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's show. It's getting towards the 11 o'clock hour here on the East Coast. 
mm-hmm. in the evening. So let's uh, let's call it an evening, guys, and get to bed so we can have a <laughs> bright, wake up bright and early on Thanksgiving and go yep. eat our turkey. Uh, Mark, where can people find out more about you and your work? So uh, all my social handles are all the same. Photos by Doyle, all straight across. And my website is markdoylephoto.com. Okay. Zach? Uh, on Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter Blue, I'm verified. Everything under the blue. Um, <laughs> it's uh, paid for by Twitter. Sponsored by yes. Twitter. I, I want to see you wearing like the Twitter shirt. I'm, I'm literally giving them money, so it's actually uh, this is sponsored by Zach. They're sponsoring. Paid you're sponsoring Zach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is sponsored by. Yeah, and uh, and all uh, zdrobertses.com uh, is my portfolio, and then you can go to visu.news to occasionally see whenever I remember to post things that I've published there. There you go. <laughs> And as always, you can go to AroundTheLens.com, find links to everything we've talked about and all our show notes and everything social we got going on. Uh, I'll be honest, it was a little uh, disheartening to kind of post like the first episode in the year and see zero traction on uh, the the YouTube channel just because, again, it's kind of like I get people reused to to listening (laughs) and watching the show and you know, I got to do my own due diligence to actually advertise and promote things and, you know, all the SEO type stuff. So uh but we're gonna get there we're gonna get there we're gonna get ghosts in in house we're gonna have zach in here at some point we're gonna have mark down here at some point I'll be down there in march i'll be down there in march we're gonna have you that's i'm taking that to the bank i'm, I'm writing, gonna be I'm, down there i'm penning you in i'm not even penciling i'm penning you and that's you know how what? serious like said, that is like i said nine o'clock is a good start because if i'm shooting the trade show i'll be done by five or six so nine okay. works great in person there we go. Mark Doyle, quote unquote, guaranteed <laughs> appearance in Mark March on the show. <laughs> Zach has no excuse being down in Virginia. He has to get up yes. here at some point. Some point. No, yeah, no excuse. I'm not in South Korea anymore. You gotta come over here. Although you could have came over while I was in South Korea. You're always invited. You're also always invited over. Just, I want to see hey. the new digs, man. See the new digs, Dave. Come on down. Well, by the time you come down here in March, like the house is a mess i'll be honest with you we're still digging our way out out of like our stuff from literally mississippi korea and like i I got a lot of stuff from my mom's house in florida here so we're we're just digging ourselves out of our own stuff and probably by march we should be at a good place so you'll see it and hopefully it's final form by then that's great <laughs> but. All right, all. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, guys, for being a part of the show. This has been Around the Lens, episode 252. I've been your host, David J. Murphy, and we are out. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com. <laughs>